Hello and welcome to episode two of Each Sold Separately, Collect Them All, an action figure podcast with me, Colonel Rains Carr, and your friend and mine, Brian Charles Rooney. This week we'll be discussing nostalgia and the companies that exploit it, all of our 80s dreams and fantasies still coming true in 2019. But of course, first, a word from our sponsor. He'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe Collection, Infantry Trooper, Codename Grunt, Bazooka Soldier, Codename Zap, Motor Soldier, Codename Short Fuse, Laser Rifle Trooper, Codename Flash Ranger, Codename Stalker, Communications Officer, Codename Breaker, Machine Gunner, Codename Rock and Roll, Counterintelligence, Codename Scarlet Commando, Codename Snake Eyes, each sold separately, G.I. Joe from Hasbro. So, Brian Charles Rooney, welcome to episode two of Each Sold Separately. Collect them all. Um, we had I, we had some very exciting news this week already, though it, it was tempered with a horrible price tag. That incredible, <laughs> that incredible Mega Blocks uh, Castle Grayskull. Oh, let me tell you, let me <laughs> pipe dreams. Let me tell you, silly, the second delusional... that, that first He Man came out, I was like, oh, if they make a Castle Grayskull, it's over. Right. Right. I think so, that that was yeah, that was an interesting test. There there was I guess maybe 2 years before the teaser Mega Bloks Castle Grayskull that was shown at Toy Fair a couple of years ago, some person put online pictures and I have them so I'll post them in the Instagram account, but the um the person posted pictures of Castle Grayskull, the Fright Zone, Snake Mountain and I think every vehicle from the vintage line all done in Lego style. Uh, I feel like uh, I saw builds. Yeah, I yeah, feel like it, I saw it, it was it was amazing, and and uh, the figures were more minifigure style than the Mega Block style. I actually right. prefer for this Masters of the Universe line the Mega. I actually or the Mega Blocks Mega Blocks in certain lines for sure. Yeah, um, the fig- little minifigures are really nice, um, and they've been hard to find for me because we don't have a walmart in new york city we don't we have Trust a target me, I, but it's... my walmart where i live doesn't ever ever has never had them but i go 30 minutes into jacksonville or anywhere else and they're everywhere and they have the new five pack and all that oh that's they good have everything the a local uh, the local comic shops here have started carrying the, the that's where i got the five pack and the um uh the Wind Raider, which was actually yeah. really pretty reasonably priced, like wow. twenty bucks. Um, oh wow! Which yeah, shocked that's like, me. That's like sticker price at the store. Yeah, um, it, it was twenty one. So I thought that's only yeah, a dollar more nothing. than I've heard that's people like getting. Nothing. Yeah, that's nothing. So what's with that price point on this Castle Grayskull? Um, why is it well, everyone two hundred forty nine dollars? Right. And they didn't even show me a picture of the front of the damn thing. Right. Well, they haven't shown the actual physical item. It's just well, digital, digital rendering. Rendering. Yeah. Um, which is kind of strange. You'd think they'd have some kind of prototype already, but um, yeah, two hundred forty nine ninety nine, and that's basically how much the classics version was. Yeah, five years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, two forty nine is you know, and, crazy talk. And, and you know, and and the rumored Snake Mountain is you know, according to Super Seven at Decon, I think they were talking about it with people. And um, saying that it's probably going to be around five hundred bucks, probably yikes, with with some shipping. <laughs> Which however I mean, much it's that's beautiful. Cost. It's but, beautiful, right? But that's you know, ha- this is a Mega Bloks castle that's apparently thirteen inches tall, and when it's open, nineteen inches wide. Yeah, 
that's so two of those is one snake mountain well which i gotta is tell literally you. about yeah. four feet long when it's fully open so yes. i i'm i don't know I well don't let know. me tell you i have the mega blocks uss enterprise that came out a few years ago the big giant right. star trek ship that they tried to charge that kind of money for right and then and it was an amazon exclusive and Amazon put it on sale like once a month for half price, and then it was seventy five percent off. And now you can get it for like fifty bucks instead of two hundred and fifty or whatever that they charge. Yeah, no, no. I think they realized that it was just too darn expensive. So I'm hoping that this Castle Grayskull will do the exact same thing, and we'll be able to reasonably get it if they actually make the dang thing. Because let me tell you, the USS Enterprise I do have it in my toy room here is incredible. Right, it's beautiful. It's incredible, and if the Castle Grayskull turns out anything like it, uh, it'll be really exciting. But I'm telling you right now, I'm not paying. Hello, Mega Bloks no. and GameStop. Not paying no. $250. You can eat that. No, thank you. Yeah, I- I'm sorry. Especially now for, I mean, Master of the Universe collectors are going to buy it no matter how much it costs because you they nerds. have no self-control. Like, like <laughs> yourself. No, I well, yes. But I actually just – I'm not buying it unless I can get it on sale. I just – it's just nuts, um, especially because there's so much product right now. Yeah, there's, it, you can't afford – I mean, it's, there's too much of everything. Yeah, there's the five-and-a-half-inch line. There's the classic size collector's choice line, the the Club Grayskull line. There are even more Funko Pops coming in for Masters of the Universe – there are more dorbs coming, apparently. There are, at least according to, you know, people's finding leaks and, and and actually lists released by Funko, at least from last Comic-Con. Um, there are uh, reaction figures from Super 7. There are um, new books coming out. There are, There's the new Princesses of Power, princesses, plural, because, you know... We gotta make it different. Um, the She-Ra princesses of, and the princesses of power line that's coming, which is probably going to be wow. Well, these, it to- is. these toy lines know how to troll you, masters people, don't yeah. they? They <laughs> oh, know yeah. how to just yeah. They got oh, you right yeah. by the you know what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They know how to get you. But it's I'm not... all yeah. It's yeah right. It's your your little nostalgia for being a little boy playing with Castle yeah. Grayskull. Oh, what what what's that nostalgia? Nostalgia. What's now nostalgia? That's, a, that's, that's something we should probably talk about. Of genius. It's a great nostalgia. marketing strategy. It's funny you mentioned that company Funko. I'd never heard of them until you just said it because I right. feel like they're the ones that make bobbleheads, right? Uh, something like that. Did you, did you Google they did them in the, like in the last few seconds? 25 years, 20 years they make bobbleheads and then they're a billion dollar company all of a sudden. Yeah, yes. no, um, which is pretty funny. But I have one thing before we do talk about maybe Funko and how uh, the power of nostalgia helps sell things because I got a room full of it that I'm sitting in. So I'd like to clear up something from our last episode where I had falsely said that your strawberry shortcake was homeless. You told me that you had a gazebo <laughs> and her trailer, which is strawberry shaped. Um, yes. Her is that trailer. true yeah. or is she sadly living like a, you know, sad homeless person on the streets of New York? Strawberry, strawberry snort cake. Uh, <laughs> hooking and hooking and uh, doing tricks for for Whoa. berry pie um Whoa. no she don't uh, spell she like strawberries her, no more she has her trailer which you could you could call the berry the trolley um very happy trolley or whatever it's called and um which is complete and has all of its tickets 
which is rare. Um, it's actually really cool. It's a little berry train. It is really um, cool. Yeah. So she lives and inside then, that at the moment. No, well, that and the gazebo, which was always kind of something I coveted that my neighbor had um, because it's cool. It's this. It's literally a white gazebo, and it opens up and on both sides, and there are two hammocks inside, which yep. is what caught me. And then it has an area to store food and clothing. Because, <laughs> well, you know, if you've got a place free- to sleep. Isn't she going to freeze her ass off in there during no, the wintertime in New York? Like, no. it's February. Isn't she going to freeze it, her ass off? It's strawberry land. There's no winter. Oh, jeez. You're killing <laughs> it's me. It's like Florida. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. You're killing me. All right, fine. Jeez, Just then. like Florida. So tell me this. <laughs> tell me this. You told me last episode that in the, like, 2000, you went to that toy store and you saw the 2000X Masters of the Universe line. Yes. And you freaked out and went nuts because Mm -hmm. it sort of rang, (laughs) it it sort of, uh, you know, harkened back to your childhood and um, it sort of um, rang some sort of bell inside you that said, hey, I need this. So mm-hmm. what is what what was that what was that nostalgic power for particularly Masters of the Universe BCR Duke if you're out in the streets looking for him? Um, <laughs> God, please. <laughs> um, he's also star of stage in case you're you know on Broadway somewhere. But um, you know what was what was that power of that nostalgia to get us into that conversation that made you feel um, that you needed you had to consume it you had to have it in your home. Um, well, I think if you want to get really personal about it, which I think is why, well, it's why nostalgia marketing works, I think, because it directly hooks you back into memories of happiness, Christmas, Hanukkah, birthdays, whatever, rewards for doing well in school, and the pure fun that you may have had as a kid because of your toys, or your or watching cartoons, or whatever it is that you did as a child that caused you to have fun. Um, for me, Matt He-Man and She-Ra Masters of the Universe was a particularly important and powerful source of happiness for me in a rather chaotic environment. I, I'm not going to go into oh, a lot of specifics, too. but... You too. Oh, huh? yes. Yes. <laughs> I think a lot of kids from the 80s, probably, uh, yes. or just maybe in all of humanity, <laughs> have yes. had... Well, our parents were from They're the 70s. They were like, it's not the 50s anymore. I don't have to stay yeah. married. See ya. Yeah. I mean, there's that's for good not reason. uncommon. For good reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't say that my parents splitting up was a bad thing at all. If I, I kind of wish it had happened sooner. Yeah. Not mine, to get too dark. Mine the same but, way. You know. Mine the same way. Mostly because I got all those toys like I told you last time. Well, yeah. You had a big – That's that worked out real well for you. It really did. Um, both sides competing to be the best toy giver is pretty, pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, I, I, so for me, it's, it's, um, you know, and as we discussed last time, it's kind of an art collection, pop art. I consider toys to be pop art. And to me, that's something that's always interested, been interesting to me. Me too. Um, so nostalgia, I think particularly for, kids of the 80s is a huge part of why anyone who is who grew up then collects now um and i think toy companies started to recognize that partially because a lot of those people grew up and started working there 
Um, uh, most certainly, yeah. You know, and so they're like, oh, well, I remember He-Man. I remember G.I. Joe. I remember Transformers. I remember My Little Pony and Strawberry Shortcake and Rainbow Bright and they, and any number of other toy lines that were successful. Uh, Ninja Turtles, that's getting into a little later, but... Um, but that worked really well, and it and it started around 2000, 2001, I think, with He-Man, um, My Little Pony. Those are the two that were kind of particularly significant in my awareness. G.I. Joe and Transformers, I feel like, never really completely went away. They never did. They There was lulls. Yeah. And, you know, where a lulls in popularity, but they never, they sort of crushed generations a little bit. Right. I mean, but they, you, but you know. Around that time, there was a, a huge resurgence. I just remember think going to Times Square Toys R Us, which is sadly gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you you would see what was being pushed, where it was being placed in the store, which is always an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, He-Man, you know, was front and center for a good month, and then they shifted it around the store 50 times, um, which is a, an interesting phenomenon can tell which toy companies have uh you know or had toys r us's ear and uh had it more influence than the other and in this oh, case yeah. it's mattel mattel versus hasbro most of the time um but yeah it, it my little pony i think probably the most successful of the new of like the most of, of the modern modern age <laughs> whatever that is 2001 on um, because there was a resurgence initially that was where the, the sculpts were a little more reminiscent of the vintage style than the line that kind of was then re- revamped shortly, you right, know, in the mid two thousands animated um, style. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you had that came with the cartoon. So you had this whole kind of early two thousands, my little pony effort that was absolutely banking on nostalgia and it worked and you had, you know all and it these grew parents an incredible were buying audience. Their kids mm-hmm. ponies and it and i think that was one of the main lines in the 2000s that allowed these this these companies to go oh yeah we have a huge market for this it's time to bring so it back you saw masters of the universe come back with a cartoon um and then gi joe toys kind of flooded the stores re- remakes re- uh, the the uh, the anniversary line uh, Transformers then had a new cartoon and then another one after that and yeah those... Transformers just continually had a G.I. Joe had two oh. they weren't very successful but they had right. two and um, yeah those Transformers they were ones, good it's like they I, never I, stop I, those Transformers yeah, ones never I, stop the Transformers was, has just been nuts and that's it, you know, and the and then the movies happened, and Hasbro really had its act together getting that stuff done. Um, I can't say that Mattel has been successful as successful in that way, or um, as wise about it. It's really frustrating. I mean, how many years has there been a Masters of the Universe movie in the works? Um, the option with Sony, I guess, had just run out recently, and they re-upped with Sony, and now it's. Now they're saying they're actually going to be starting filming in Prague. I know. I saw they showed that this week <laughs> since last time we talked. They put Which up their location. and 
and they decided where they were going to shoot and things, which right. is pretty interesting. So maybe they're moving towards it. I, it's Masters of the Universe to me is a very difficult filmable property because it's so fantastical. I used to work at Disney Feature Animation. That was my first mm -hmm. job in, in Hollywood. And they would say, I'd listen to Michael Eisner and all the directors, and they would say, the reason we make animated films is because you can't do that in live action. Right. Because it's it's fantastical situations that don't make sense in live action. And, of course, now we're making live action versions of all those films, yeah. all those Disney animated films, even though they're 99% digital, which is the same thing. Right. Um, and they're just, <laughs> they, they basically were saying, what? the reason we use a, this style of animation is because you can't do it um, that was their mantra, like it was a mission, is because you couldn't do it in real life. And that's how I feel about right. Masters of the Universe is, you know, these glistening muscle men <laughs> <laughs> and their sexy ladies. I, I don't right. know if it I don't know if it translates number one to the 21st century live action and where right. we are in 2019. And I don't know. I mean, you would know more than me, but to me is just a casual Masters fan and somebody who loved it as a kid, but, you know, Shida has not really been into it since as much. Right. I don't know how it translates uh, to live. How do you translate it yeah, to live I action? Mean, well, that makes me think about the new She-Ra cartoon and how the, which I think has gone to the other extreme. If you think about how the characters were designed and drawn in the 80s, they were all kind of Amazon, yes. gorgeous model types. Even the villains, and, and that was the style at the time. Yeah, 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 and I think they were beautiful, and and they were, but they were still powerful, and there was still an edge to that, particularly the Shira cartoon, because it had female leads, and the mm -hmm. the boys were secondary, um, which is which was groundbreaking and important. Um, and now you have a version of that cartoon, which is sort of actually breaking ground, because you have. <laughs> It's very um, the body types are are all you know kind of anti eighties in a way. Um, you have it's rare that there are characters who are live and kind of this, the traditional Amazon Barbie uh, build, um, which is great. I mean, it's great mm -hmm. to have that type of variance in the designs. Um, however. I I kind of wonder about the live action as well because if you're going to start designing things that way in an animated style, you're going to have to address that in live action because you're going to be speaking to so. at least somewhat to the same audience. And so is Tila going to be this conventionally, mm -hmm. traditionally beautiful woman with a large bust and curves or is she going to be you know a thick warrior or a muscle maiden or short and stocky or who knows you know how, and how old is she going to be mm -hmm. you know she's a certain age in the cartoon and and then as the tales progress but that's another question because Hollywood keeps pushing everything younger and younger mm -hmm. because children have access to their parents' credit cards through of course. their phones. So except they, for that, they are... except for that dang Aladdin trailer that came out. I'm like, what is Aladdin and Jasmine like? Thirty five? Oh yeah, that's true. Which <laughs> like is strange how old? Because how old the, are they? they should be kids, and, <laughs> and they're supposed to be like 
Aren't they yeah, like Romeo she, Juliet kids? She's age? probably but, um, like in the in the stories, probably twelve. I, yeah, mean, I don't mean, they're know. like Romeo and Juliet age, and I, you see the trailer, yeah. and it's a couple of thirty-five-year-olds and Will Smith painted blue. Right. And meanwhile, Jafar is like the handsomest. And, yes, Mister Handsome, and sounds like me, which I don't understand. I'm like, where's the gravelly <laughs> old? You know, hello. Like, where's that? I don't. I don't know. That's a handsome I'm curious. Charles Nelson Riley, Jafar. Yeah, I. I don't that. really get it. Um, but that's another. <laughs> that's a, that's a tangent for sure. Um, but yeah. So how I, do how I, do we how do we, how do we make really this movie? Like, like, how do we make this movie even with the men? How do, it's just right, a bunch well, of muscle men. I mean, like right. Well, how no are one we talks about movie? that. Nobody Is it just The even, Rock even, and and all these Arnold no, Schwarzenegger wannabes? No. Like who? But who is it? Who is that guy? I don't know. And how do you kinda, tell that I story? Want, I want somebody that isn't famous. I don't because I'm not happy with any of the choices. Like even uh, Thor. <laughs> like I always forget his name, um, which everyone's gonna laugh at and be like, "What is your problem?" His name's Chris Hemworth. God, my blood. Who that am I doing guy. a podcast with? Get He's really here. funny. He's really funny, actually. And I think <laughs> he'd actually be a good choice if they're going with someone famous. I know everyone has said that that's the choice, you know, and and. But he's already Thor. And it, no, I think he I, should I be that somebody that that's unknown. Unknown is better. But tell me but, this. I as agree. a Masters of the Universe fan, do we find it problematic in 2019, even from a male perspective, that this wimpy guy has to mm. use a sword to become powerful? He himself is not powerful enough. He has to wield some magic sword that gives him Arnold Schwarzenegger muscles to be able to save everything. He can't do it in his own little tiny body. He has to do it in a big massive one. Well, See, in the old I cartoon, mean, it didn't bother me because they had the same shape. Right. He just, his clothes got stripped off. Well, okay? yeah, and then 2000X, the 2000 version, they they, they went more that. with what you're saying. Yeah, they had so this, is there a shift? This... Is he going to be the wimpy guy that, like, you know, well, he wasn't wimpy in the 2000X one, but, you know, is he going to be, does he have to have that sword to become powerful? I or think is it, it just depends the sword on... is powerful? I think it depends on what the source material is that they use, because there's the mini, the original mini comics had him not as Adam, uh, Prince of Eternia. They had him just as right. this guy who was a, a tribe, a tribal warrior. Yeah, like Conan. Who, it was just Conan yeah, who, knockoff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was definitely modeled on that. And and he leaves and it's called a out. knockoff, not modeled. It what? was a knockoff of Conan. <laughs> a nice knockoff. try, BCR Duke. Stop bringing up Wondar. Um, <laughs> oh, but be quiet because Mattel doesn't want anyone to know that they made a whole bunch of Conan figures. And that's what I think. Of course. Um, <laughs> off the record, off the record. Of course. Um, but yeah, I, uh, that that may be the route they take this time to avoid that. I don't know. I think it would be hard to divorce. Uh, or divorce um, Masters of the Universe from characters like Prince Adam and Orko and um, Cringer and even that he's a little cat that's not good enough he's got to get bigger right but even in the show Cringer often saved the day with Orko out of out of you know battle that's why they were our favorite characters right they were that and Lou Scheimer was brilliant um, yeah the little kid characters those were our favorite characters at that time Yeah. yeah um so I I think I think it's possible. I think it's possible to have him be 
Prince Adam in Conan. the same shape, yeah. in the same shape as as He Man. So he's just but, Superman. He just changes clothes and he's He Man. Yeah, and powerful. it kind of could have the theme of you know the red the the door the the, the ruby slippers where it wasn't the shoes. It was it was you all along. I mean the <laughs> the sorceress could easily say something like that at the end. And then by the way, here's your sword for your sister. Go find her. She's waiting. I mean that's that's um, which is. <laughs> Which is going to be very interesting based on all the rights nightmares, but um, I think it's I think it's possible, and I think okay. having seen things like Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok, I think the humor is absolutely necessary because there is a camp factor to Masters of the Universe, but yeah. it's a quality really? camp. I had no yeah. idea. I, I know. No idea. <laughs> I know. But it's quality camp. Um, and I, I would use uh, the 2000X comics that were done by uh, MVC, uh, MV Creations, um, as a good reference point for how a movie could work. Because uh, obviously comics are different, but the mood of those was spot on. It, it was adult in a way. It had some violence. It had very, very complex plots. Um but it still had beautiful color. It still had ornate, fantastical designs right. and choices. And I, I think that's possible. They I just think need if they made the, the right choice, director yeah. and designers. I think if they made the choice to make it more adult, because that's their, that's their target audience. The target audience is you. And you told me how old you were last time. I don't remember, but it wasn't. 15 or 20 it was old no I'm, I'm actually 26 <laughs> i think at this point yeah um, i actually saw masters of the universe a cartoon on cartoon network in the 90s right? when I, was a kid, I like and, i watched it on um, netflix and i just binged it all one night <laughs> and i just you know, loved I it so like, much that i had to collect everything for the last 20 years i mean it's no power rangers <laughs> but like you know I, mean, like, uh, I had yeah. to watch Power Rangers after school every day. So you, and... as a nostalgic property, <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? As a nostalgic Sorry. property, um, something that you do collect the toys and you, you follow along with um, the He-Man.org, PowerCon crowd, and the Mattel, and mm -hmm. you know you keep abreast of the situation with Masters of the Universe because it's, it's something that's important to you nostalgically. Um, is a movie necessary for you? Is that something that you're dying to have? Or is it just, oh. please bring me more toys and I don't care? Um, I would like more media. Uh, necessary only? Yeah, only, but it has to be done right. It can't be garbage. It can't be, you know, there were scripts over the last several years. One of them had Adam as a soldier in Iraq. And he was brought through a vortex by Zodak and trained to battle Skeletor. Um, and there were, I think it was the, them and Man-at-Arms <laughs> and maybe like Beastman. And that was it. And I'm like, nope, no thanks. That's hilarious That's not interesting sounding. at all. That's, and that's hilarious garbage. hilarious sounding. And then there was a script that had um, Randor die. King Randor, Adam and Adora's father, die in the first five minutes. That's a like, Disney. Really? That's Disney wanted to produce that. Really? That's a Disney film. I I mean, come on. And then uh, Eva Lynn dies, and, and she's telling the story, but then she dies. And, and, and then there was another version where it had Adam and Keldor, who's Skeletor, as brothers instead of um, Keldor being his uncle, which is, if, and if people don't know, is, is the story. Keldor is the firstborn son, but he's blue because he's, um, illegitimate um, and then 
Miro, who is uh, Randor's father, Adam and slash He-Man and Adora slash She-Ra's grandfather, uh, marries a uh, a white queen and, and has Whoa. Randor. And Randor is the one who is so made he dumped king. Smurfette and he yeah, got basically. Okay. Um, well, there's another story about that that she was a witch and she's thousands of years old and and ensnares him and they fall in love and they actually she actually does fall in love with him for real and it, it humanizes her again and then but she can't leave the island that she's on and etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh-huh. so he takes keldor with him and and fascinating like, what you have a blue child <laughs> absolutely not they took our jobs like that kind of you know theme um so they wanted to make them brothers, you know, cause everyone has to be 13 now. Oh, you know, everyone, God forbid anyone's older than, than 25 or 30. I mean, I, because, I'm not, I'm only 24. Right. I mean, you know, 20, 20, I had a, oh, just a side note. I worked with someone on a project recently, did this musical, um, using the B 52s music. And, um, it was an amazing process and an amazing experience. But one of the guys in the show, was turning 25 and he was yelling about how old he is and i just thought you're like Yikes. one of the youngest people here Yikes. what are you talking about and why are you so upset about that i i just it well i mean drives here's a, me bonkers here's a question for you now nostalgia is nothing new no. um and also in hollywood pushing things to a younger demographic is nothing new um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, they've guess. been doing it forever, but the um, I think you know, it's extreme right now. In the eighties, right? My, it was my parents' generation. It was all fifties stuff, right? Fifties diners and fifties dance clubs and everything. Fifties, 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 and yes. or or it was hippie love child stuff. Every commercial on TV was for the you know hippie songs of the sixties and whatever. <laughs> and um, <laughs> right. and now, of course, uh, when I go to nostalgia restaurants like Johnny Rockets or something, they used to play fifties music. Now they play eighties music because that's oldies at johnny rockets really yeah places That's like that weird. they play the oh, those are oldies right now they play right. the oldies and right. um well now, 2000 you know the, yeah. the 2000 toys that that came out you know in 2000 2001 are now 18 years old yes so, two sure. years from now they'll be vintage right <laughs> they'll I mean, be vintage nuts. in two years it's completely insane new so it's it's one of those things like now the, the you know the nostalgia shift from generation to generation and now we're the older people the middle-aged people try not to oh god his face he looks sad look at this um we're the middle age and so they're hitting us as hard as can be right so you're calling middle-aged shut up hordak or did i say that's yeah yeah no that's right yeah 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 sorry it took me a second i I remember showing off i'm I'm showing off my five and a half inch new super seven hordak figure five and a half inch to yourself okay It's all blue That's and red and black. Fast. It's not looking very good. It's got a skull-like head. It looks kind of scary. Anyways, sorry, children. Sorry, anyway. children. No, but anyways, um, now it's our turn for the nostalgia. So why do you think somebody like Funko, who made you know bobbleheads forever, and I would you know buy one every now and then, like the I have the Mr. T one and stuff like that. Right. And, and and that was such a niche, weird market. The bobblehead thing. I always thought it was the nerdiest thing in the world. Like I was like, okay, there's nerds, and then there's people that collect bobbleheads. 
Right. Um, like that's real nerdy. And you saw them in the documentary on Netflix. Those people are nerdy. The original Bob yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah. So why do you think um, a company like Netflix has been able to exploit this so incredibly with our generation? Netflix um, or Funko? Funko. Oh, you said Netflix. Oh, I suggested they they were a documentary which is an interesting which is an interesting oh right 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 well and Netflix is they are they oh well, they're a nostalgia are. network too sure yeah they're rehashing um, every old idea that ever and that's fine they're good for them that's they're smart you know they're bringing back things uh, right. and that's smart that's very smart of them um, so why do you think Funko has gotten so successful and become like a billion dollar company off of crappy little pophead figures um, I think because they were smart and took a risk and bought a whole bunch of licenses and listened to their customers and um, made uh, established relationships with a lot of smaller stores and found a way to produce something in a cheap way that had a colorful, joyful impact on a customer who may either be interested in collecting all of them, which, and there are some of those top collectors who have all of them or some of them or just one. Uh, That's amazing. I mean, people know that I collect toys come up to me and say, so do you collect those pop figures? Like it's permeated. The pop figure Funko has permeated every strata of society. I'm talking like everybody has one. It's it's almost a household, you know. Or if you're under say fifty years old, it might be a household item at this point. Sure, um, to have it, a pop uh, figure. It's easy, and they look good in the box. They don't. They they, they do. look it out of the box. They are easy to stack. So there's like if you have them on a shelf, that what a the can... marketing genius of just the box yeah. itself is incredible. It is. Um, they you know they they are functional and pleasing to the eye mm-hmm. and. They exploit nostalgia in a major way because you have everything from the Golden Girls to Strawberry Shortcake to um, Star Wars, which is huge. I mean, the the Qui-Gon Jinn pop figure that I got at New York Toy Fair um, paid for my uh, Comic-Con airfare. I think, yeah, paid for my Comic-Con airfare two years ago yeah that's crazy um yeah i know i know it's nuts and it's worth more now than it was then i'm sure yeah Um, the people are getting real serious about it and speaking of comic-con they do you know fungo has each year their booth gets bigger and more sophisticated their lines get more insane and the fights between people are are crazy i mean people have literally gotten to fist fights over a pop Mm-hmm. And you know, and we've seen that in the past. Parents going crazy over Cabbage Patch Kids sure. and whatever else, Tamagotchis and Furbies and all that. Capitalism at its finest. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, pulling out the best of humanity day of by course. day. Um, yeah, I mean, but it's. I think that's part of it. I think it's also some luck, and you know, the perfect storm, and and people enjoying the again the joy of what they had as a kid and the 80s was kind of it was different i think than times before you had just so many more options 
exactly. as far as the media and proliferation of and, cable and yeah everything everywhere was so much more and then you right. had the deregulation of you know how cartoons could be made they they exactly. could be That's used to sell toys point. thank you yeah. ronald reagan the one good thing that you did i appreciate that was <laughs> You deregulated everything well, and destroyed the economy well, for 40 years. You might but, as hey, well okay. sell car toys on cartoons. No. I'm going to watch them in the morning with yes. mom, mother, the rich or whatever you call it. for the last 40, year, 40 years, and thank you, Ronald Reagan, for that, for deregulating everything. But right. the one fun thing you did was deregulate so that toy companies could just sell us toys. Right. <laughs> Which, you know... And that, to me, is what makes the nostalgia for G.I. Joe or Transformers or Masters of the Universe or any of these... Or My Little Pony, or or Care Bears, which is one of my secret, oh, secret, secret loves. Yeah. Um, That's been what uh, makes it so powerful to me was the storytelling, um, and the stories yes. that we were given were so important to me as a child. Where we would rush home, and and if we we had gotten an early Betamax VCR, and we would tape the episode. <laughs> you were rich. <laughs> My parents just went nuts one day and bought one for $500 or something. Oh, my God. But, um, but the, you know, the, we were able to consume those stories, and it's the story and the characterization of those characters that brings me back to want yeah. to buy all of the 25th anniversary G.I. Joes and wants me to continue to collect G.I. Joe as a major part of my collection and makes me want to collect um, a lot of the toys that I collect. Um, it's because it's 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 the storytelling. That's why I love Marvel so much. It's because you know, because of the great writers that I read in the seventies and eighties and the early nineties yeah. when I was collecting comics, and and the fact that filmmakers that are our age and a little older are making really good films based off those properties uh, makes me very excited. You yeah, know? I, I I I absolutely agree. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about. The Marvel stuff I collect, the DC stuff, the Masters of the Universe, even the cherry picking I do with things like Star Wars and um, and and uh, even Transformers and things like that. There's always a story behind the characters. It's a world building effort. You get new information. Master of the Universe is really great that way because in each of its incarnations, there's been a lot more to the story that's been revealed each time. You get you know, a rounded, more well-rounded character, uh, even, you know, from a B or C list character, each time it, it is reincarnated because the people that are behind it are typically artists of some fashion and they want to make a mark and they want to justify the relaunch and they want to, you know, create. So it's, it's as simple as that. And, that's enjoyable. I, you know, I want to find out more about these people. Sure, of course. I, I, I think that also has to do with what type of collector you are. Um, my friend Mary Cohen, who is an artist, uh, she brought up a point when we were discussing why people, why a lot of male collectors are like completely full of disdain for female characters being made into toys. You know, and that's often the case. It's changing a bit, but it's it's I've been the case for a while. I've always found to be very strange because it's who, it is one of the best characters on GI Joe is Scarlet, and one of the best characters right. on Masters is Tila. You right. know, uh, yeah. And Eva Lynn, like people and now Eva call Lynn. her the Warlock, uh, the Warlock, the the Wolverine of Masters Universe, which yeah. I think is very true. I, I, but that's because she's one of the best developed characters, exactly. especially now, 
Um, I never understood she, that weird misogyny that has been around. I remember oh, know, yeah. when collecting started to get big again in the 90s, when I was in my 20s, uh, guys never collecting the girl characters, and they were they no. were the, they were the peg warmers. You weren't allowed to, and even if you wanted to, you were you were looked at you know wrong because there's a lot of programming that happens, and it's unconscious. Even my pro- most progressive male friends, and you'd say to, I, I would I, I would I'll say this to them like, just answer these questions in your mind, and don't tell me what the answers are. But but I will I will I bet you you will agree with me that we are programmed with a certain level of misogyny, regardless of whether or not we believe in that. Who's a better driver? Who's a better teacher? Who's a better cook? Who's a better cop? Who's better at running a business? Who's better at being in office? Who's better at sports? Who's better at math? And the answers are all sexist. Yes. If you just go with the first one or yeah, the your traditional first impu- answer, your impulse, yeah. It's gross. But it I is. think that has to do a lot with what we're taught and what we're not taught. And I mean that, like, what you don't see in kids' media, that's changed a lot too. That I'm starting to see a change now because people are more conscious of this but you know people and not to get too political which is sad that i'm even having to say that but a lot of people even even people who identify as gay think that they are abnormal because they did not yes. have any boring functional examples of who they are in their media as children you know it was always the boy yep. and the girl or yep. you know and the girl had her role and the boy had his role and you didn't see like in happy feet Two where the two shrimp are you know trucking along having their side plot adventure then the one is clearly interested in the other and the other one isn't interested but doesn't care and you know and says we could adopt one says we could adopt a child and everything be happy it's like oh well that sounds really nice you know i don't i don't think i don't know if that's for me but you know that wouldn't be so bad like it's it's just sweet and nice and there's nothing art you know evil about it or hypersexual about it or anything people in the masters community talk about you know well maybe these two characters from she-ra natasa and spinnerella are gay because they were presented as quote-unquote sisters in the cartoon in the 80s and one is black and one is not and people latched onto that and thought this is something I can relate to. Like, I don't, I didn't yeah. have this. So it's become this kind of thematic in point of interest. And I think because it's two women, it's been a little safer for people to stomach for some reason, ironically. Oh um, right. So you, but you, that type of thing, it, you know, it's not hypersexual. It's not scandalous. It's not dysfunctional. It's just, there and it's beautiful and and the more that happens i think the more you have kids growing up realizing that you know if you remove religious beliefs from the equation if you really do that if you really get intellectual about it and you think critically about it um you i i don't know that there's anything you can point to saying that it's wrong and all that being said, I think that those type of cultural, um, I don't even know what you call them. I guess it's cultural just characteristics for us. 
are the reason people react to things in their in their media in their entertainment the way they do so you have men saying like i don't want women in plastic form in this but but they are avatar collectors and my friend mary why i brought her up because she said there are two types of collectors there are the world builders and there are the avatar collectors not avatar james cameron blue no 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 no, no. (laughs) but (laughs) avatar is in like um, a, a vessel for you to kind of put your consciousness into while you're reading a comic. Like I read Superman because I want to be Superman. I'm Superman Not, yeah. You know, I'm Superman. That's how I relate to your vicarious living. Yes. Right. As opposed to being, you know, Metron or Zodak or the watcher and kind of reading the story as though you are in the world and you are seeing and relating right. to everybody. Well, I'm that um, guy. That's why yeah, I me have too. 5,000 figures of right. every character ever. <laughs> yes. No, the same. I, I The more, the merrier. And the more complex the the, mm-hmm. the stories and the relationships, me the too. better. The I, more... love, I love a giant world, maybe because yes. Hamlet, Hamlet's my favorite play, and it's got 50 characters in it, and there's 100 <laughs> stories going on. Maybe because of that, I just love... like That's what I loved about G.I. Joe is because they were trying to sell toys, and they're trying to come up with new characters yeah. and new ideas because they got a you know they got you know quarter one finances to think about right and well, they that's came up with great new characters and so that. i've got you know 400 figures sitting on the flag right now that <laughs> that are all different and i love right. you know i love that they're all different and i get upset like oh i don't have that guy or i don't have that guy or that one's a club exclusive that i don't have and he was in the cartoon right I try and limit it to cartoon only okay people that that's were on difficult the, cartoon, the original cartoon they right. were on the Sunbow cartoon, not the not the Deke cartoon, but on the Sunbow oh. cartoon. So that's what I'd limit it to, though there's another hundred figures that says I don't limit it to that. Right, I was just going to say, that's <laughs> bullcrap, but okay, whatever you want to tell yourself, sure. How do you feel about, actually, speaking of nostalgia, how do you, and, and the kind of maybe the other side of the arc of the rainbow of nostalgia for this, the last 20, 15 years or whatever it's been, how do you feel about the G.I. Joe Effort ending of the with, films, with Hasbro. the films, no, the toys. Like, oh, uh, the, I have friends yeah, who are all just kind of given up on GI yeah. Joe. It's actually kind of upsetting. I also think the world has shifted quite a bit, and it's kind of a tough property, right? It's a bunch of guys with yeah, guns shooting at people. That's true. And what? It's, it's you know <laughs> the love and the love and respect for the armed forces may not be what it once was. Right, in in sort of a general sense, um, I'm not sure there's a, a ton of respect for that, or a ton of or, respect or for the, the government, respect for or, for war. I think for war. I think there's not a lot of respect for that because we haven't really yeah. had any justifiable conflict in uh, you know. Right, uh, and we don't. Seven, and when we do seven battle, decades, it's, it's, you know, it's, you know. Um, um, it's not with people on the ground as much. I mean, that's still a, yeah, a I mean, thing. Drone definitely. strikes and and, right. and planes, and maybe that has some underlying thing that. What in the heck is going on over there? Oh, I'm getting water because my mouth oh, is dry. You've been talking because yeah, I'm, I'm doing been, a podcast. You've been yakking it up for forty-five and I, minutes. And I did a reading of a play last <laughs> night where I was playing a woman. <laughs> What? With an English that accent. Scandalous. Oh, scandalous. and she spoke like this, oh, and she would scream so and yell scandalous. at everyone. It's you, terrible. You actors, no wonder you're degenerates. You're all degenerates. You um, actors, you're yeah. an actor. Oh wait, yeah, right. <laughs> oh right, I have a lot of theater. You forget? I've been doing that a lot. I've only been doing it 27 years. Anyways, the um, I, I don't know. Maybe there's an undercurrent of it 
Legends. I still love it. I wish they would do sort of a Masters Classic style where they could make us a, a G.I. Joe Black, but it's only online and it's yeah. Kickstarter funded. Because I think if Hasbro did the Kickstarter style with <coughs> G.I. Joe, that they would be able to make toys. I just don't think they, they're willing, because they're such a huge company, so it's understandable. I think they just don't think it's a profitable property like Transformers. So it's totally right. understandable. But um, well, there is isn't there a company I I should have done because I thought about this company the other day or this effort there there is a um, a Kickstarter I think starting or I don't know that it's started yet but it's to do five and a half inch style um, I think it's five and a half inch style GI Joe so oh, GI Joe and the style oh the five of and Masters a half the, the Masters there is a company that does that that's a it's a customs company right. Hog T Customs or H-O-T, something. I follow them on Instagram. I think they might be going to Toy Fair, which starts this Saturday. Yeah, and they look really nice. They look like the uh, Remco um, Mm -hmm. uh, Sergeant Rock or whatever that. It wasn't Sergeant Rock, but that Remco had another line that was a 5.5 inch. I can't remember their names right now. They had the Sergeant Rock, which were the G.I. Joe size, and then they had the He-Man size. And they had another name. They look just like those from the early 80s. I mean, they are like carbon copies of that Remco line that I can... Somebody post a comment for me to remind me of what that Remco line is called. I think yeah, it's called, I'm like, like I'm good guys up, versus then. bad guys or something is what it's called. <laughs> That's intense. But look it up. Look it up. It's like a, it's a 5.5 Remco army line. Somebody in the 5.5 group on Facebook, please post that for me so I can remember what those guys' names are. I had a bunch of That's them as a kid. Cool. I had all the bad guys. They were black. They had black outfits on, and then the 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 good guys had uh, camo on. Right. That's that's well. That but makes they sense. look just like them. They're beautifully made. So since we're at about fifty minutes here, yes. Um. Well, that was I was going to say that's a good lead into what we might talk about next week. Which what is, are we talking um, about next week? Uh. The uh. Speaking of nostalgia, just knockoffs, and speaking of Remco and and piggybacking and uh. You know, between the 80s and the 90s, I think there are a lot of really cool examples of either bootleg or knockoff lines that, in some cases, became huge. Um, yeah. Everything from Remco to um, Power Rangers, which I, I, I know people will argue this, but I swear Power Rangers, at least from my American perspective, was a knockoff of Voltron and became much bigger than Voltron in a way. Oh, a million times bigger. Um, you know, and then there are a hundred million examples in between. And there are even modern, you have companies like Super 7 and Zolo World doing uh, five and a half inch style figures that are absolutely mining nostalgia. Oh, yeah. But are also good examples of cool knockoff toys. I've known um, those Zolo guys forever, dude. Like twenty years, we've been talking to toy stuff for like twenty years they, with those guys. I started, I and I have like. a few of the early ones, and I really like them. They're actually, I think they're really well made. They are they, well. They, they still they, look brand new, and they are, none of them are they broken. They were Remco obsessed, and they yeah. bought those molds, and they they you know they they got real serious about reviving that Remco style brand. I think they even own the Remco brand. Oh, really? I, I think didn't they that. might. I think they own something about that brand, and I don't remember what it is. But they will have to ask them sometime. Maybe but, um, the the uh, 
the style, maybe the trademark of the it's style. Something, or something. It might be something like that. But the um, I think they've it's been promising females forever, and they they keep saying, "Oh, they're coming," and it's like, well, if you did, that would probably sell a lot more figures too, it especially to nostalgia. But I find I don't it know. interesting. We're talking about nostalgia and how Funko has made so much money off nostalgia with their perfectly consumer-sized and a little teeny box pop <gasps> figures. But of course, those are knockoffs of Japanese vinyl figures that have been around forever right. and ever with the exaggerated body or the exaggerated head and the smaller body. And that came from Japan, and those have been around for 20 years. Yeah, that's a, there's a lot that, about that world that I've, I've never, never known or been aware of, and only because of companies like Funko and Super 7 specifically for me have i started to kind of look into that the vinyl collector I collected world and some of that because it was big in los angeles you know 10, yeah. 20 years ago and then their kid robot brought a lot of that over mm. and i collected a lot of kid robot and so i did a lot of research into that that sort of um that sort of kawaii world of collecting yeah. the little cute cutesy figures and it, i just find it interesting that funko was like huh that's a cool looking thing and now they've made a trillion dollars off yeah. of that Japanese idea, which is, you know, what we did with Transformers and Voltron and everything, right? We just stole it and brought it over here. Um, but um, tell me, tell me where, tell me where everyone can get a hold of us now. Where can oh, they find have, us yes. now? We have a new Instagram account. We do? Which I think is really smart because when we talk about stuff on this, <laughs> this show, people are going to want to see a visual and we're not, you know, on YouTube yet, so... Which I have been thinking about. I'm possibly working on it. I'm working on it. Might be a good idea. Yeah, I'm but working um, on but yeah, and uh, th you can go to Each Sold Separately podcast on Instagram and look at at pictures and follow us, and we'll follow you back. And the good news is, is we're now on iTunes. We're on Google yes, Play we Music. Are. We're on Stitcher. After we have five episodes, we'll be on Spotify. So we are uh, reaching out to every corner of the universe. But my favorite part about Instagram is you can see a picture of Brian Charles Rooney playing with his strawberry shortcake set that I posted. Up. <laughs> oh my God, now I have to go to storage. That's all in storage. <laughs> all the strawberry shortcake. Strawberry is shortcake. In we're actually going to change the name of the podcast to Each Sold Separately. Collect them all. Uh, Strawberry Shortcake slash action hosted, figure podcast. Hosted by Strawberry Shortcake. It's kind of <laughs> like how the old Snow White ride at Disney World, and I think it's, it's still at Disneyland, was like, oh, it's the Snow White ride. And then it was that basically terrifying. just the witch. Yeah, <laughs> like, terrifying. Yeah. Featuring the witch, but she's like every yeah. scene. Well, it's called which... Snow White's Scary Adventures, and we'll have a oh, Disney episode because we're both Disney people. In I fact, didn't know that. Not I actually, I'm an hour 50 minutes away. I should go there right now. I'd forgotten that it was called that. I didn't, or maybe didn't even know that as a Snow kid. White and I remember the scary adventures. I was five, and I went on it with my grandmother, and I lost my mind. I mean, I still loved it, but it was oh, like, what is ride. going on? Still there at Disneyland. They took it away, and they built the mine train at Disney. Well, this is yes. so we're going to talk about Disney, which is we great. Can't do that because we'll talk for ten hours. So, anyways, That's true. Tell me what toy you're hunting right now before we sign off the air. What toy do you want more than anything right now? What are you oh looking my God. at? What, are you trying what do I to want get? more than Just anything? Just this week. Just this week. Um, what are you trying to get? Me, it's still those damn Kingpin figures. I've been looking everywhere for them. Spider-Man, um, Marvel Legends wave. Oh, God. Uh, Hurry, quick. Oh, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm, in, I'm waiting for like all these pre-orders to come in from I'm not Super talking 7. I'm stinking pre-order. I'm talking something you can find in a brick and mortar Something I can store. find? Um... 
Hmm. Oh, Mystique. She's supposed exactly. to have been released She's at this hitting, point. At I Walgreens. know Mystique is very exciting. And I've gone into, I, but I live in New York City, the the Sahara Desert of toys. So there's well, maybe there's never I'll gonna find, happen. Maybe I'll find two and send you one. Oh, that would be so nice. I kind of kept hoping Medusa, Except, the the Walgreens exclusive, yeah. a year and a half ago, two years ago, they showed up here first, and I was able to get them for a whole bunch of friends, which for me is a a fun and wonderful thing. I love finding stuff and being able to send it <laughs> to friends. But um, that was the only time that's ever happened about anything. Well, <laughs> between uh, this and our next podcast, please, you know, try not to expose your 5.5-inch Hordak to anyone else, okay? <sighs> He's yours and yours alone. <laughs> All right. Well, have a lovely week. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Each Sold Separately. Collect them all with Rain's Car and Brian Charles Rooney. Bye, everybody. Hordak and the evil hoarder have to get him an ant skeleton. Hordak, Hordak. Skeletor, Skeletor. Who can defeat gruesome Grizzlor and the sucking leech? Grizzlor, Grizzlor. Leech, Leech. Hordak and the evil horde. New from Mattel. Hordak.